consolation from imaginary things is not imaginary consolation. Roger Scruton. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hull. And I'm Lee Esses, and I apologize if I mispronounce that name. I am very excited for this entire series. We are now in the month of May, and we are starting a new series where we're going to be talking about the psychology of the reader. We will always and forever advocate you writing selfishly, but understanding what it's like to be a reader, how readers think, will help you communicate better to your audiences. How you communicate, how things could be misunderstood, what it's like to break the fourth wall and directly address the audience, even how names can influence how you think about a character subconsciously. And one of the, I think, more important topics that we're going to be discussing later this month will be the trigger warnings, but we will be talking about that later this month. Our first episode, we are going to be talking about the actual mechanics of reading and the scientific influence on the brain for reading. Reading changes people and how their brains think, not just as they're reading, but for days and weeks after they read. One of my favorite memes is the, you know, reading two books at a time. You've got that elephant and then the penguin. And then there's a guy who's like, what is this? And he's showing off a penguin with an elephant head. And the penguin with the elephant head is my personality. That's me. I take on the personalities and attributes of the characters that I'm reading about. So we're getting this information from Healthline.com. They have an article called The Benefits of Reading. And they say that, yes, four days after reading, your speed is increased. The part of your brain that responds to physical sensations like movement and pain just works better. That last part was interesting to me, that sitting down reading a book with maybe music on, on a couch or a hammock or whatever, that increases your sensitivity on the physical parts of your brain. And one of the theories within this is that that's because you are able to empathize better with other people if you are a reader. The study that this article cited showed that reading for even 30 minutes lowers blood pressure, heart rate, and then feelings of psychological distress, just as well as doing things like yoga or engaging in humorous things. And it doesn't matter what you're reading. You could be reading nonfiction, you could be reading a super intense fantasy or sci-fi adventure, or, you know, smut. Another thing I thought was interesting was, according to their studies, you can get more benefits from reading a print book than a digital book. They theorized that it's because you are forced to slow down when you're reading a print book versus speeding through something as you would in a digital book. Moving on from this study, one of the important things as an author is to understand how it is that we learn to read in the first place. First of all, we learn to read by sounding things out. It's a really terrible idea for English because the letters don't always make the same sound, like I before E except after C. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> All of those just don't make any sense. But that's one of the things that, especially when you're naming characters, you have to understand we learn to do it by sounding out all of those letters. And in doing so, we're looking at the individual letters of the word. 
I'm looking at the T, then the H, then the I, then the N, then the G. Eventually, you learn to merge those together with different sounds. The TH, TH, the ING, ING. Combine those together. So we go from looking at individual letters, individual sounds, to recognizing familiar clumps of letters. All you have to do is take a look at a game of Wheel of Fortune, and you start to understand how people can see just a couple of letters and figure out what the entire phrase is. And eventually, once you start recognizing familiar groupings, you'll start recognizing entire words in just a second. That's how you can look at those scramble things that say, you know, if you can read this, you're whatever, smart, whatever. And it's just because the first and the last letter are in the right place, but everything else in the middle is jumbled. We're also going to talk about invisible words in a minute, but this is where those come in. You stop seeing the word a, you stop seeing the word said, you stop seeing even sometimes the word he or she, because it's implied by everything else that's happening. So once you can recognize those common words instantly, then you stop seeing the words altogether. The invisible words are something entirely different, but you stop seeing normal words because your imagination is working. A lot of people will imagine a book just like a movie. I do that. I don't. I'm understanding stuff that's going on, but I don't need to imagine the physicality of what colored hair does this character have? And for me, I don't picture out every single little detail, but I have kind of like a rough sketch in my head and the people are moving about and doing things. And I personally filled in a lot of those gaps of what they're wearing, what they look like, just based on my own imagination and what I've learned about the story so far. And the last phase in learning to read, at least in my experience, is the making up substitute words. When there are words that you either don't understand, you kind of just figure it out by context, or in the case of Tolkien, you don't want to work through pronouncing that, you see that familiar clump of letters and Elrond's dad is now named Bob because I don't want to have to figure out how to pronounce that every time. When I read some of the more complicated Sanderson names, my brain just goes, and moves on. When you are writing... One of the most important things you need to remember is that there are such things as invisible words. Words that when a reader is reading, they aren't actually reading. And this is why I constantly say said is not dead. We actually covered the word said in myths about a year ago. But yes, I think we're both on the same side of We recognize that said can be very invisible, and therefore, as an author, it is useful. What we mean by invisible words are the ones that, as you're reading through the page, you don't recognize that you're reading. These are the ones that could be completely taken out and you would still fully understand. They're just words that the reader is so used to seeing within that context that they no longer need to read it. That includes articles. The, a, an. I tend to skip over those unless there's something very unique or important about that article, which is rare. Another commonly invisible word is also short would be some of those prepositions. Instead of saying, I'll give it to you, I'll give you, 
whatever it is. That too is so easy to overlook that it's also very easy to miss during your proofreading and your editing. So be very careful with these. But those prepositions can also be invisible very quickly. As I mentioned when we first started this section, said. Said is an invisible word, and I will stick by that that should be your go-to if you have to have a dialogue tag. A dialogue tag, if necessary, is only to identify the speaker of that sentence. Said is an invisible word. People don't pay attention to it. They pay attention to the name or the pronoun that goes with it that will then inform them who is speaking. Said, they'll ignore. And that's okay. Leave it there. I was recently reading a book where instead of saying said, they would have, quote, blah, 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 end quote, character name, next line. And that's it. Their dialogue tag was just the character name. It was very weird because I was listening to it via audiobook. Just because said is invisible doesn't mean you can leave it out. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'd never seen it before. And going along with the said are the pronouns. The he's, the she's, they, their. This is assuming that they are the only person of that gender in the scene. And it turns out misspellings are completely overlooked in almost all cases. Back to the if you can read this games. So long as the beginning and the end are intact... People won't even notice most of the time unless your person is specifically trained to notice these things, which is why it's fun to mess with Lee. So in the end, absolutely use all of these except for the misspellings. <laughs> Avoid the misspellings. Don't use those. But use said. Use your pronouns in your articles and your prepositions. Use all of these. Just know which ones are invisible to your reader because that will help you either speed up or slow down a scene with intention. You as the author are manipulating your reader and their reading speed by using these invisible words. If you want to speed up an action scene, rely on the pronouns instead of names, or if you have to, very brief descriptions. That will give your reader a basis, an anchor, to be able to just skim through this fast-paced action scene because you want them to go through this action scene quickly, as if they're there in the moment. Reading through stories and seeing text on a page is a mind-bending sensation. No other place in nature even comes close to having a written language. One of my favorite Instagram reel sounds is the, all right, time to hallucinate wildly staring at the tattooed shavings of dead trees. Yes. That's what reading is. It's a wild hallucination staring at tattooed shavings of dead trees. And it's amazing what it does to your brain, what it does to your body simply reading. And if they're reading it and enjoying it and hallucinating wildly, vividly, having a grand old time, then it must mean that you wrote selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. <laughs>